Welcome to this week's edition of Record Roundtable, where we talk about a hip-hop duo. And this week we're talking about Run the Jewels. This is Caleb Robinson speaking. I'm here with... I'm Dax. Jared. This is Tyler here. And we also have with us... John. John Foster. What's up, guys? How's everybody doing? Doing well. And this week again, we are talking about Run the Jewels, and how did everybody feel about listening to Run the Jewels this week? Tyler? <laughs> Thanks for <laughs> directing the conversation in my, in my direction. Yes. Felt good. Felt good about Run the Jewels. And the other things we listen to, because we listen to some LP work and some Killer Mike work and some LP, one LP production album. Yes. Well, and technically would... two, but we can get into that when the time comes. Yes, that's true. Jared, how did you feel about Run the Jewels? I enjoyed it. I've liked them since they came out. I just did I mean, I didn't know the, who they were when they came out. Like the, who LP was, obviously, and I didn't really know Killer Mike, but I've followed them since, you know, like they came they became a band and kind of got big right from the beginning or at least somewhat known. I mean, critically they were known like Rolling Stone and Blender and all kinds of magazines and, and stuff that I like, Hey, this is something to watch. And it for sure was, you know? Oh yeah, absolutely. They have, they have really exploded a lot more than I would have even expected. Yeah. It's them super to. surprising that they are mainstream. Yeah. Given that neither of the two members have any kind of mainstream success whatsoever. And then, like, socially conscious hip-hop is not really, like, uh, that popular right now. No. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, no. it is now, but it hasn't been, like, radio-wise, historically, since, like, NWA almost. I mean, and that's kind of more, I mean, I don't know. It's a, kind of a difficult thing to call it the same kind of music. Right. Dax, how did you feel about Run the Jewels? Uh, it was pretty great, especially listening to LP and Killer Mike, like, their solo stuff. I listened to Run the Jewels. Uh, several times and i've always enjoyed them but i've never given them individually a chance so pretty good how about you john it was definitely refreshing um i've known i followed killer mike and lp individually for 10 plus years and when they linked up in 2012 i mean it was like two different worlds colliding and you know just to kind of watch how they've grown now into into like the powerhouse i even saw something like I think eight or nine of their songs from the album is are going to chart on the Billboard Hot 100. Really? Crazy, yeah. Like for, for the streaming, or whatever the streaming numbers, which is just unbelievable. Like they might be, you know, a top five, top ten as far as popularity goes in hip hop right now. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, so it's just it was refreshing, especially the album came out. I think at a great time, like horrible time, but a great. It, it was fitting for the time. Yes, yes, absolutely. And that's, I mean, so that's worth talking about a little bit. And we'll get into it a little bit more later. But Run the Jewels did just have an album that came out um, this week as of recording. And they, what happened was, was that they had planned on releasing it on uh, Friday, but they ended up releasing it two days early and were basically like, fuck it, why not? You know, like their, their whole mm-hmm. statement was basically saying, if we're going to put this album out, we might as well just put it out now. Well, and they also Things put it crazy. out for free on yes. their website, yeah. you know, and dropped it on Spotify to stream and everything, yeah. you know, so it's like, That's I mean, their... which they were going to do anyways, but I mean, they put it out for free. And so, I mean, it probably, it obviously benefits them that way too, because of the, if you're going to get that many songs on the billboard chart, because I think that the way they, like, 
the way streams work, I, I'm not 100% sure about this, but if it streams on Spotify as opposed to like your own website, I think maybe they count the streams a little bit differently, but I don't know if that's true or not. Yeah, I'm not sure. That is a, I, I never thought about like what happens when it streams from your own website and yeah. how that calculates into the streaming that exists. Well, where's it coming from? I mean, it's, it's got to be hosted somewhere if it's on their website. It's not mm-hmm. just... Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. it's true. So, uh, I don't know. Well, all their albums are free, too, by the way. Hmm. They've all been released as free. Oh. Yeah. So, so, there you go. They like free. Yes, I like do. free. I like free, too. I mean, how did you not like free? They're, <laughs> they're free, like... Digitally. Mentally, when you think about it, but it's not really free because you do pay for the service of Spotify. Yeah, but they're free to download from the website. So it uh, is, on their website as well. Yeah. Okay. Isn't that correct? I believe so. Yeah. yeah. I, I I remember. I think I got an email, but I didn't know if maybe the email was because I pre-ordered the album. Probably it would have been an oh, album. I pre-ordered, download. but I don't. But I don't. Yeah. I pre-ordered I pre- through I pre- a record store. I pre-ordered. I, I I forget. I I was just. I've been a part of their mailing list forever, probably since first album, and got that email too. I was like, I checked my email. I think Wednesday afternoon. And I was like, oh, it's out early. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> They they put out quite a few interesting free things too. I know that recently they Meow the were Jules. Hmm? Meow the Jewels. Yeah, Meow the Jewels. Meow the Jewels. Yeah, that was a very, very interesting album. And then during the quarantine, they started releasing a series of coloring books. Did you see those, John? Did see those. You know, we're bored at home, you know. It's just <laughs> Something interesting. <laughs> yeah, it was. It's like a whole booklet, and there's like I think four or five of them, but they're like downloadable booklets where you can like color and do mazes and different like like basically little kid activities, but they're all like pictures of Run the Jewels and have like lyrics on them, and they're like song. But it's it's such a weird concept that like a hip hop group would be releasing coloring books. They also they also um, did a thing where they made a game. Uh, and it's like hide and seek, except they tell the kids to close their eyes and count to fuck. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. That is, that's my favorite game for good, sure. Good point you brought up. <laughs> so uh, you mentioned, uh, and really I think everybody probably had different experiences with this, so it's worth kind of delving into. Uh, Killer Mike and LP are the two members of Run the Jewels. And they both have had solo work prior to uh, going into Run the Jewels. And therefore, you can kind of get an idea of what they sounded like before coming together. And really, I would say that both of them sound different from what Run the Jewels sounds like. So, uh, Jer, why don't you speak a little bit to what your experience was with some of the solo work? What did you think about Killer Mike and LP stuff? Um, I liked it. I, I kind of think with LP, it's similar to Aesop Rock, a little like because of the same label mate stuff and yeah. the association that they have. And I like Aesop Rock quite a bit. And then Killer Mike, I've known about, I, I knew about him prior to Run the Jewels, but I don't, I did not know LP. But I was not, I was never really a big fan of his solo stuff. Like I like the song Ric Flair because it's like, I like professional wrestling and it's like a cool. I you know sampling that he does and he's a good like I like his rapping but it's not the kind of southern rap that I'm like as into um but I don't know it I like run the jewels more I guess is what I can kind of boil it down to sure how about you John I know that you had a little bit of experience ahead of time listening to their solo work before run the jewels had even kind of started killer mike's always been an artist who uh I would just kind of see feel like he kind of initially lacked an identity 
So, you know, he was a Dungeon Family, Outcast affiliate. Um, you know, his first album, which I, I honestly had never previously heard his whole album, or his whole discography, discography as a collective. Um, but I've always listened to him. It was nice kind of going through like a, a rewind this weekend to kind of just go through it all. His first album was definitely, could tell he just didn't really know what he was going to be. Was he going to be the political rapper? Was he going to be the about sex, talk about partying, talk about the club. So, you know, it's definitely a lack of identity. It doesn't even sound like the same rapper that you hear, you know, in 2020. And then uh, I went through all of his Pledge albums, uh, Pledge 1, Pledge 2, Pledge 3. And on all of those albums, you know, you kind of got the feel of what he would become, but he still had those, tra those trap songs and those club songs all mixed in and, you know, and it just felt like, okay, he's kind of growing into somebody, but not quite the person that we know him now the last eight years since this album came out. Sure. Um, and then with LP, uh, and Caleb, we talked about this too, like, he was somebody that I never, always, I've loved LP, like, since my beginning days of hip-hop, but as far as the solo work, I never, I never just could get into it. And I've tried so many different times over the years, like, I would try... Anytime I was on a Fab Rock Kick or Cold Vein, which from Cannibal Ox, which is one of my favorite albums of all time, like I would listen to it and I'm like, I love LP, I love his production. But why can't I get into a solo album? So then I try again and once again I just and they're not bad, but they're not, you know, not Labor Days or Cold Vein or or Run the Jewels. So I tried again this time around and you know, like I said, same old, like they're not great, they're not bad. Um, and my favorite was probably Cancer for Cure, which was around the same time that, you know, he linked up with Killer Mike. So it kind of was a, of a beginning to the style that they've created within the last eight years. Yeah. Cause, that might be why I liked it. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> fair because a lot of their style has kind of developed, like their style has developed differently from what their solo work has sounded like. What about you, Tyler? What do you think about solo work? I liked LP's solo work for the most part. I did see, I mean, the similarities to Aesop Rock are fairly clear. In sure. This, particularly in the early uh, albums. The yeah. first two we listened to especially are just, and and not that they're the same, by of course, but there's just a lot of similarities in that, that you know, 2000s New York style situation. But yeah. I thought Cancer, uh, Cancer for Your Cure was really good and sounded, and definitely had a different, I could hear a building between each of the three albums that we listened to. Yeah, into something that was different, that was closer to, I don't know. I, I guess an identity is a good way to put it, John, uh, for LP even. But I thought uh, "Cancer Free Cure" was really good, and it and I thought that some of the tracks on there were really interesting because they kind of play out. They follow a theme, and then like two thirds of the way through, they just have they play out into some kind of uh, secondary melody type situation that does its thing that I found to be fun, and I thought that rap music was really good uh of course that was produced by lp and i thought that that album was pretty sweet i had not listened to a lot of killer mike before uh in terms of solo work that's and i but i remember when that album came out and seeing it didn't listen to it at the time but i think it's just a really great album too i think it really begins to see him come into his own i suppose in that regard yeah, that, uh, that album cover reminds me like of Easy E. Yes. Like it's so, yes, it does. You, you know what I mean? Like yep. it's not hit. I mean, it's Kill a Mike on it, but I don't know. It's uh, like that's the. F and I went back. I just looked at like Easy E's album covers, and they don't look anything like 
the cover of that Kill Mike album, but for some reason that's the first thing I think of. When that's I what see I that thought cover. too, because I saw it when I saw it this week, and I go, "I've seen this cover before," but yeah. there, but this has to be like older. Mm-hmm. And I it came out in 2012, and I'm just like kind of like what, not right kind of like the Denzel it. Curry stuff, you know, yeah, like how he's of. like a throwback. Yeah, you know, yeah. Some, something I forgot to mention: rap music is my favorite on both of their discography, solo solo wise, and as a group. That was my favorite. And actually, something that I found out was, was pretty interesting. You guys are talking about Eazy. Um, Killer Mike and LP, they linked up because they loved Ice Cube. And Killer Mike always wanted to make his America's Most Wanted album. And that, in rap music was LP trying to create that sound for Killer Mike to make his America's Most Wanted, which is not on that level. But, you know, you can kind of sound, you, you can hear the similarities as far as Bomb Squad no- sound from... Uh, Cube and America's Most Wanted and all that, and the similarities with what LP did. So the Easy E—that's kind of what he was going for, I think. That makes a lot of sense, it and it's—it's it's cool because LP, like, he has kind of his own traditional style of production, and he also is able to fit the production to what the person is looking for, and can do different things. So, like, I was just looking into it. He just did uh, the composition for the Capone movie that's coming out. It's already out. Or it's already a, out? It, it's on vi- video on demand because theaters are closed. That makes sense, yeah. yeah. But Tom Hardy's in that movie. But yeah, it's I, it's interesting that he did that. And soundtrack. it's all like ambient music. Like mm-hmm. it's not any, it sounds like a movie soundtrack, but you, yeah. like, you're not, like, I went into it and I was like, is it going to sound like an LP produced album? Well, it's like, I was like, that doesn't make sense for a Capone movie. I mean, that's like the social network with Trent Reznor. You're not like hearing yeah, him true. scream about, you know, like, Fucking like an yeah. animal, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they, watching? All, they all do a little different. For instance, yeah. I just watched this week The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford, which I love that movie. And that's Nick Cave, who did, oh, yeah? who mm-hmm. did the score for that. And yeah. it's it, it's just ambient. Uh, it's really like soundscape tonality, huh? yeah. and that's it. But it's, you know. John mentioned earlier about the first Kill a Mike album, the, the Killer, and he was talking about like the kind of the sound of it and stuff. Three Six Mafia and Paul Wall are on that album. That isn't like really not in different songs too. And it's like what an old thing. <laughs> what Paul an old Wall thing. <laughs> Dex- well, the first one, oh, was, the first one was Monster. Well, the um, first one that's on Spotify. <laughs> yeah, very old. It's crazy to think those things are like fifteen plus years old now. Yeah. <laughs> Dex, I was going to say uh, real quick to get to you too. Um, there was another album that we that I know you listened to, and I've heard before that kind of represents a different style of LP's music that you wouldn't think of. High Water. Yeah, right? yeah. Uh, it's uh, a hip hop album over jazz. Yeah, which is really interesting. I-, I wouldn't call it amazing jazz by itself, but just the marriage of the two. Really well done. I enjoyed it. It's a it's a very odd album and not like you don't listen to it and you're like oh that sounds like LP stuff like yeah. it's very much a different entity. Well, he said he made it because the idea of of that scared him, hmm. and he's like I always try to do things that scare me. It's a good philosophy. So he so he decided to do this album, and it's work cool. and work with the jazz pianist that he worked with, and it was yeah it was pretty cool. It was a pretty cool idea, and uh, and we see, I mean we'll foreshadow into Run the Jewels where. They've got jazz stuff worked into a lot of their songs. Well, some of them at least. We have Kamasi uh, as a guest on at least one of the tracks. Mm-hmm. You know, so some of that's boy oh boy. So some of that stuff uh, kind of made its way through. I find think that's interesting because when they met in 2011, 
because of Cartoon Network, more, more reportedly Adult Swim. Yes, yes. Which that's how I found LP, actually. First really? time I ever found LP was through the 2011 Adult Swim singles program. That's cool. So Yeah, I wrote that down. I just wrote down Adult Swim because, yep. like, that's, yeah. Well, Killer Mike talks about how he likes Adult Swim in that speech he just did at the Mayor's Press Conference yeah. this week, too. Anyway, um, but from the moment they're introduced, you start to see their worlds mesh even before the creation of Run the Jewels, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. Not only with LP producing rap music and the, each of them having uh, spots on each on songs on each other's albums, but the Killer Mike song Anywhere But Here features LP's wife. LP's wife? Emily Panic is LP's wife. They oh. just got married in 2018, but she was on in Anywhere But Here on rap music by Killer Mike. Isn't that wild? That That's is pretty, pretty cool. wild. Yeah. I didn't, I, I didn't know who that was. Like I knew I saw the name, but it didn't like click with me who that was yeah that's lp's wife huh wild and i mean lp and killer mike were on each other's separate albums on those 2012 albums so you could tell that they were already like kind of getting interested not in just like lp producing killer mike's music but they wanted to collaborate with each other and if you listen to those songs you can tell that there's a pretty early chemistry between them yeah and it's interesting idea too because a lot of times in hip-hop I mean, people don't focus on it as much anymore, but you it was heavily focused on an East versus West or kind of, you know what I mean? And now you have the East and the South, like this Eastern hip hop and the Southern hip hop, and they come together and do something. And it's interesting. And people, I just think that's a dynamic that people don't think about quite as much sometimes. Yeah, for sure. About it. Okay, before we get a little bit deeper into thoughts on Run the Jewels specifically, why doesn't somebody give me their favorite track for us to kind of transition? I'm going to go with Tyler. Give me your favorite track. Do you want how, Do you want Run the Jewels or do you want anything we listen to from the playlist this week? It sounds week? like for, for this, Run the Jewels to try and transition. Because my favorite <laughs> thing I heard was not Run the Jewels. Why don't you – how about you – okay, how, how about this? Let's go with this, and that might be difficult, but I want to see if everybody can come up with it. Made it maybe on the fly. Give me a favorite Run the Jewels track and give me a favorite track of either of their solo work. Mm-hmm. And a clipper. All right, which one? First you, one. Which one you want first? Either or. I'm gonna give you my favorite. <laughs> I'm gonna give you my favorite of the non-Run the Jewels, which was not a solo work of either of them. It was from Ken Wax's album that you put on there. Okay. It was Raspberry Fields. Oh, that's a good track. I love that song. It's very good. Did you okay? Actually, before we transition, did you guys all get a chance to listen to Cannibal Ox? Yes, it was great. You don't have to just say it's great if you don't feel like it was great. All time class. Very good, thank you, Jared. <laughs> he leans, in, he leans out. He doesn't want to say it. that's okay. It's just one. It's it's one of my favorite albums of all time. So I'm glad that I could like fit it in a little bit. LP produced the Cannibal Ox album. It's all on Def Jux, so it all makes sense. And Def Jux kind of has their own sound in a lot of ways, too. A lot of their albums kind of follow the same um, pattern of, like, the boom-bap style of music and, like, kind of a, an interesting abstract sound a lot of the time. So, so yeah, just wanted to see if anybody, like, everybody kind of enjoyed it or if there were any other thoughts on Cannibal Ox. But go ahead, Tyler. Keep telling us your tracks. So, I, you know, the Run the Jewels is a, it's a, it's a difficult one. I don't know. It's pretty difficult to choose one of them. I liked. I like all of it. And I t- I've mentioned before. I think I probably mentioned on the Run the Jewel episode of Good Band Bad Band that Run the Jewels Two is my favorite Run the Jewels album, and which I think I still stand by. But all of them are really good, and Three is really good. Mm-hmm. Probably getting up there to giving Two a run for its money for me. But 
I'll just do, let's just say that I will choose call Ticketron. All right. I think I could just choose another one and then be I'd feel the same about it all the time, every one of them pretty much. That they really are very consistent. Yeah, they are. That song's I think is interesting. Interesting thing I found in there is they both are uh showing their roots a little bit. He's talking about the garden, of course, in New York, which is mm-hmm. LP's home. And then they reference AT Aliens in that song. Mm-hmm. And it's not the first one. They also reference AT Aliens in Oh My Darling Don't Cry. Was that a like a sample of It Takes Two? That's what I was thinking. It sounds like. Is that the case? Did you not hear that ooh-ah like in the back? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know exactly. I think I think it is. I'm not Maybe sure. not like credited sample, but it sounds like it. It very well could be. I'm not sure, actually. But they both <laughs> reference AT Aliens, which of course is Outcast. Yes, it is. Which and is well, where El- Big Boy. Killer Mike got his start, really. Big Boy's on some stuff. He is. From them. He's on... Um, the song uh, Banana Clipper. Banana Clipper. So that's pretty cool. The one, the cool thing about um, kind of watching on the jewels from album to album, um, they kind of, you know, we talk about colliding the both worlds, but they bring, they literally bring the worlds with them, especially you could tell in the first one, like Big Boy is from Killer Mike's world. And then they had Prince Fall, who is from that, the early, early school of LP when he was doing Raucous and, um, he was on the Handsome Boy Modeling School album with Prince Paul. So it was it's, it was just cool, like me as a hip-hop nerd, seeing not only the two worlds collide, but bringing parts of those worlds with them. Yeah, <laughs> that makes total sense. And they have a lot of they have a lot of really interesting features throughout all of their albums, really. I would say that probably the one that stands out the most, probably to everybody, I would argue, is the fact that Zach De La Rocha is on two of their tracks yeah, uh, yeah. over yeah. from Rage the, from Rage Against the Machine. Yes, which is how, uh, where did that link up happen? You know, well they were they he, toured together or something. Well, they're supposed to tour together lines. in this year. They're supposed to. Okay, with, they're supposed to tour with Rage this year. Is what, I, but you know that's questionable. But I LP was slated to work on that Zach De La Rocha solo album. That never happened. So I don't know if that's where the connection initially started or if it was somewhere else before that. But when Zach De La Rocha was choosing artists that, you know, he wanted to be on that album, LP was a choice that he wanted to be on that album. Go ahead, John. I was going to say, that makes sense. Like, on the Jewels, they kind of, it's not, it's not necessarily a rap rock sound, but it would be the closest thing to rap rock sound, which is exactly what Rage Against the Machine is. Mm-hmm, so maybe right. it's just kind of like that. You know, that similarity coming into play, which is how they got they started working with them. Yeah, that makes total sense. And they also um, they also have very similar ideas in terms of being very socially minded. And I think that that's something that I would imagine that he latches onto when he hears "Run the Jewels" as well. Mm-hmm. Is that he's able? So, like for example, on the the fourth, uh, the "Run the Jewels" four, where he's featured again on the song "Just," which also has Pharrell Williams. They're talking about like slave owners on money, and yeah. it's like. 
of course he would want to yell over mm-hmm. something like that. Of course he would want to be involved in yeah. a track like that. It's it's interesting because like uh, I don't want to talk too much about Rage, but like when they came announced they were coming back, which you know a lot of people didn't think that that would happen, but they got a lot of flack for the ticket, like the way they w- came back and like announcing being back on festival circuits and the um, how much it would it is to see them now and how like basically they sold out to sell tickets and stuff but then they kind of said okay the money for the tours is going to go to these different things and they're trying to like save i don't know if they're trying to save face or if that was their plan and didn't know that it was going to backfire or what but it's like a band that has historically talked about corporate greed returns and is corporately greedy perhaps and yeah. get you know got called out for it Question but mark. i don't i don't know it's hard to know but i mean it, it's cool that he's on this again and I, I enjoyed the digging for windows solo song when it came out and i wish that album would have come out and maybe it will who knows, who I, don't, knows? I don't know what's going on but yeah it it's kind of i don't know if it's good or not to be a rage fan right now in 2020 but we don't know what they would have done on you know like we don't even know what direction they would have taken with because like when you return like that like what mike him did they return for something and then they announced the tour, you know, like, so yeah, that would have been what was going to happen. So I don't know what they, how they would have gone about that. But if you can use your platform and bring along socially minded groups like run the jewels and other people like that and get in front of hundreds of thousands of people and spread that message, I think that it's important. It's true. You know? yeah. Would anybody it, like to talk to that socially minded well, aspect or, do, Oh, you have something. I just wanted you to know that my, the most prominent feature for me was non Zach De La Rocha. Oh, okay. Who is it? Well, I was listening to a song and I go, man, this guy, <laughs> one of the two is doing a really, really spot on impersonation of TV on the radio right now. Mm. And I can't believe that they're doing this good. And I was like, oh, and I look, because Tunde Adebempe is a feature on one of the songs. Yeah. Yeah. yeah on yeah. the new album? No. On, uh, okay. I think it was on three. It was on three. He's on Thieves. Yes. He's on mm-hmm. Thieves. I really like that song that has that guy Boots in it. Oh yeah. Boots. But, but like, it's, the, it's funny because that song sounds like he's sampling something. But I don't. I couldn't find anything that like like that song sounds like. And I don't know if like I just knew it because I'd listened to the albums. When you say that song, he's on two songs. That, the earlier one. Early. Yeah, the first song. I, I saved okay. it uh, on my. Thing. That's the yeah. That's the one where Killer Mike is talking a little bit about like getting arrested, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it is. Um, where did it go? I don't know if I saved it or not. Thieves maybe. I'm, I don't know. I say it's it's 2100. Is it, is it, it early or is it? I don't know. Now it doesn't matter. Is it 2100? 20, 20, 2100. Yeah, 2100. That one. I don't know. I really, I, I can't okay. remember. I think now. it's probably there. Are, is there's more one. than one boot song. I know. I know. Asking. It was the from the first album that he was on. Not okay, the then it would be early. Yeah. 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 Okay. Oh, you're saying the song called the early. name is of the yes. song is called early. The song is called early, and it was the early release. Yes. Okay. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, So anyways, yeah. Does anybody want to talk a little bit about like the political minded and like the political lyricism of Run the Jewels a little bit? John, it looks like you have something you want to say about it. What what was crazy to me is um, uh, um, Walking in the Snow on the new album. Killer Mike, you know, he's talking about he's talking about really what's going on right now with, you know, protests and Black Lives Matter, etc. And he says the lyric, I can't breathe, which, uh, which was what, uh, you know, George Floyd had said. 
Um, so I was like, my first time I heard that, I was like, holy shit, did he just rewrite these lyrics like like last week? I know. To, to fill I, know. Them in? I thought that, and then um, and then I actually saw LP was on Twitter, and somebody asked him that same question, and he said he was referencing the Eric Garner situation from similar situation from 2017, and you know, it's just like, holy shit, they were already like they were months ahead of the curve, you know, like you know, the past two weeks it's been all about. Uh, you know, Black Lives Matter again, but it's just been crazy. Like, they were ahead of the curve. You would have think they probably wrote that lyric. I mean, it could have been last year. It could have been the 2018. It could have been, you know, earlier this year, but it, it, it couldn't have been more relevant than right now. Oh, absolutely. It's, and, it's truly insane the way that they were able to know what was, co- they had no idea what was coming up. Yeah. But the thing is, is that like Killer Mike has been socially conscious for years he's been you know a social activist since like 2014 he thinks that that's very important to his public image as an artist he also was one of the like a big proponent of bernie sanders when he was running yeah both uh, both during both campaigns yeah during both campaigns and he he came out during the first campaign and backed bernie and supported bernie and was on stuff i mean that was when he i mean that was still when run the jewels was so it wasn't like I mean, not that he would have been irrelevant, but in 2011, if he would have run with somebody, it would have been like, who's this guy? But he's had a, a bigger platform when he was, as a part of Run the Jewels, in a well-known hip-hop duo right. and supporting that's cool because That's cool because, like, it, like, we were talking about his early work. He started talking about his political views in 2006. If you, when you listen to his stuff from uh, 2008 to 2011 was you know talking about obama talking about politics what was going on at that time so i think personally killer mike's probably ecstatic that he has his platform now you know because he was gonna say he was one of the he, he was could be perhaps could be the poster child for political hip-hop right now mm-hmm. oh yeah but, yeah but but i mean the last 15 years you know he's been talking about it so it's you know it's cool that it's not something you just go through his old work. You're like, wow, he's really been about the stuff. He's always been the same person, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. He He's really taken the platform that he's been offered and has been able to run with it. Dex, do you have any thoughts on any of this? Uh, well, as far as the I Can't Breathe line, uh, I have photos from like 2014, I think, that have that same thing on it. And every couple years it just comes back because nothing has changed. Well, it become, so, right. it's become a... a- a rallying cry mm-hmm. is one of the rallying cries of the movement is, yeah. is I can't breathe. And that's, well, it just and said, so like the thing that's awful about it is in the video, you know, from what happened um, that he even like had to utter those words and it didn't do anything because right. those words, those words have been uttered for so long mm-hmm. that like, that's what, you know, he had to say and it didn't change anything. And it's like, it hasn't changed anything for a long time. And that's the, that it's been like it's a t-shirt and it's a thing that you know you put over your mouth and it's been like that for you know since 2014 at least you know from different times that that's happened and it's still in 2020 just a few weeks ago something that somebody had to say in the, as their last words right right that that's the how that hasn't changed anything is so a, a, getting, atrocity. getting off topic but staying on hip-hop and, and discussing these subjects um, a big song on my playlist the last few weeks has been Just a Friendly Game of Baseball by Main Source, mm-hmm. which came out in 1991. Which, you know, it's basically a metaphor of police brutality and comparing it to baseball. But um, 
mean, that song has been relevant for 30 years. Yeah, it's wild. <laughs> yeah. Nothing has changed. And, yeah. and Killer Mike has maintained a consistent message in terms of his his social views as well, which is really nice. I think that's probably a thing that really connected him to Bernie as well in terms of supporting him. Is yeah. Killer Mike's message has been the same. And when he delivered that that speech earlier this week, it was the same message that he's been talking about for the past five years. You know, it's the same thing. He's, he has a consistent message, a consistent idea. And he's got, a, in terms of his his position as a social and political activist, he has a really interesting point and a really interesting experience to try to learn from in terms of what he, what he's promoting because he's, he's father, he's the son of an Atlanta City police officer. He has family members who are police officers. And his view of the police and his view of what – of you know, your city and, and what it means to be take pride in your city and make uh, strides for progress and things like that is a little bit different than people who are kind of uh, who don't have connections in the same way. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's just an interesting viewpoint that I think is really useful for the current moment, particularly. Yes. For all people from either side of the argument to see someone who's come from a, someone who lives in Atlanta still. I mean, he's lived in Atlanta his whole life and he loves the city. He's invested in the city. His yeah. family he is connected to the city. Right. And apartments. And, right. And, yeah, and we watched an interview last night where he was talking about So that. it's just a very, he's got a very interesting place to, that he's coming from with all that stuff. And to maintain that message and to have that viewpoint and to, and to continue to put it out there is really, really cool. Yeah, I agree. Anything else that we want to say before I transition to something else? Anything else we want to say about socially minded type things no i think well, well, i think we've sunk our podcast well i do think it's interesting <laughs> sunk our podcast. I, I will say that i think it's interesting the way the lp is able to play into it because it's it's i would assume it would be difficult to be a white hip-hop artist attempting to speak on that mm-hmm. yeah so uh, the way that he comes about coming into the songs that really dive heavily into it and his what he brings to it is pretty is very good and it it works very well. And I think that that is something that he has probably been associated with and involved in since, you know, Company Flow, his early project from the 90s where he was, you know, he was involved in the Brooklyn scene. He's been talking about things with other black individuals in their music and he has been I mean, he he's talked in interviews about the difficulties of and which is a, a whole different concept of being a uh, white rapper and being able to kind of be in the underground scene and how difficult it was to really get to the point that he is today and be respected as a hip hop artist who is also white. Yeah, And I think one last thing I have on the social aspect is, although they focus a lot on the on the equal on equality of race really is really heavy they also do like gender equality a lot as well which mm-hmm. is really a, a good place to be i think the song from two was love again is that the is that the song i'm thinking of yeah where you see the man's viewpoint of a typical it's really like it's typical hip-hop you know standard hip-hop song and then the woman comes in and just totally flips it and it's the same message it's just from a different side. Yeah, and it's, and it's, it's very empowering. It's kind of empowering in a weird in a weird way. Yeah, it's a it little is. bit uncomfortable, which is I th- which is supposed to be. Yeah, you know, but it's just because people aren't used to it. Right. But I love that song. Um, I'll go to Dax. Dax, why don't you give me your favorite song, and then we'll transition to another topic. Uh, which which favorite? E- either of the two favorites, either uh, solo work or the Run the Jewels, and we'll you know you can tell me which one you want to play. Uh. I'll have- Check the name for it. It's the very last song from the newest album. Uh, a few words for the firing squad. A few words from the firing squad. That's been the one I've been going back to the most. 
I woke up early once again, it's four days straight. I didn't wake you, baby, I just watched you lay. In the radiation of the city sun. I am in love with you, it is my only grace. You know how everything can seem... So since we just played a song off of RTJ4, why don't we go ahead and get into the topic of how we think that that album stacks up against the previous three albums, and then maybe can kind of share what you think would be like your favorite Run the Jewels album out of all of them, if you even have really a favorite Run the Jewels album, because in a lot of ways, their albums are very, very similar. They've kind of been playing to the same sound that they have been making since day one. But I'm sure there's an album that really stands out. Tyler, I think you said that your favorite has been Run the Jewels 2. Yeah, 2 has been my favorite predominantly. And then, like I said, this week, 3 has been really good. Really good. Um, some There are some polishing things that have been done to 3 that I'm not as into, but I think all in all, it's it's really quite good. I liked 4 a lot. I thought it was really good. That song I really like. That song is awesome. Uh, it's 6 minutes and then like two-thirds of the way through when you think it's about to explode into something it just dies mm-hmm. yeah and then it builds back up and explodes into the you know there's we didn't get to hear it in that segment but you know there's lots of sacks and there's lots of like uh flowy things going on in there and it just like explodes all into it after dying out it's kind of like takes throws it for a little bit of a loop which is kind of fun uh but i think four was really great and i think that some of the the social messaging uh, social political messaging came through a little bit more and four than it did in any of the rest of them. And the song that John mentioned, um, Walking in the Snow, that thing is difficult. Like, it's it's tough, man. Yeah, it's hard to listen to in a lot of ways. It reminds me of the first time I heard Close Your Eyes. Because the first time I heard that and I I hear him talking, you know, because that's more of an angry version. I feel like they're two halves of the same coin. One is the anger side where he talks, you know, in, in Close Your Eyes they talk about basically like a prison riot you know and the mo- the line in there that stands out to me most is uh, you know we're killing them for freedom because they tortured us for boredom and uh-huh. even if some good ones die fuck it the lord will sort them and i'm just like oh dude that's pretty wild like that's an insane in your face lyric they have great lyrics and then sure. when you come back to this song on four it's a it's the same message but it's coming from the viewpoint of like if you don't change now you're next you know, there's a line in there where it's like, wait 10 years, wait 20 years. When they're done with us, they're going to come for you. Yeah. And it's like, man, it's just wild. That's, it's a great, I think four was really, is really good. And yeah, I think it's quite a success. I would probably say the same thing. I really like two a lot. That's one of the ones that I got into the most when it came out. Um, but I would almost maybe say that four is now my favorite, but it's probably because it just came out and I listened to it like three times. So I don't, it's hard to say, you know, like whether or not, it's going to stand up the same way. Um, but I, I liked, I liked two and four the most, and it's hard to say between the two, which one's my favorite. But you Jax? I'm in almost exactly the same boat. Uh, I think, I think four is my favorite right now, but two is up there too. They're, they're tied. John. Um, my favorite was always one. Um, it's their whole discography. has kind of been, this, what they've done from album to album has kind of been good and bad, if you ask me. Like, it's good because the quality has been good, you know, but the bad part is they kind of, till this uh, RTJ4, I felt like they may have gotten stale at three. Okay. Or they kept that same formula, like, what, 10 to 12 tracks, 35 to 45 minutes, and they're all quality, but when you, ha- when you do that, you compare them, and you're like, okay, 
RTJ1 and RTJ3. Well, RTJ1, I've had about three, four years now to digest that album. And, you know, RTJ3 is not blowing my mind. So I think RTJ1's better. And it's easy to compare because you can literally go track to track. They do the same thing. They'll have like two features and it's always the Killer Mike and LP show. You know what I mean? They've never really done like that, you know, let's say an 18 track album that's an hour and 20 minutes and have like five to 10 guest appearances or, you know, the opposite where they just have like five tracks that are just like, like just unders. I don't know. But my favorite would probably be one, but four is growing on me. It could be, you know, maybe just because like you guys are saying, like I've playing in more mostly since Wednesday. It's probably been the most played one. Um, yeah, so I would say one. If you ask me in a month, it might be four. <laughs> That's entirely fair. I think that I, I'm very similar to a lot of you guys. I really enjoy four right now, and I think it might overtake two, where it might be the freshness, but I also just think that there's going to be this really interesting imprint of this album where I'm going, like for two, I really love two. It's got great tracks on it. My favorite song from Run the Jewels is on two. And the thing is, is though, RTJ4 is going to have this weird imprint of all of this social change that's going on right now. And it this really is like the album that voices that movement in a lot of ways. And so when right. I think about the um, an album that is very, very important for the time that it comes out, it's hard to compare RTJ4 right now. There have been plenty of albums that have been coming out over the last year that have spoken to, you know, they, they've really talked about kind of the um, social isolating that we've been doing and everything else that's kind of been going on with the quarantine. But this is really an album that was so perfectly placed in regard to the social movement that's going on at this current moment. And not even just this current moment, but a politically charged album that has been relevant for years. And it really, really shined through on RTJ4. They've done it before, but this is the album that has really shined on and seemed like it was very important to be talking about these political issues. And so for me, I think that it's going to be the album that remains relevant for the message that it brought across. And I think that that message bolsters it into being really their best work, in my opinion. Yeah, I wonder in what way over the coming weeks this album will be digested by the by people who are experiencing it. Because we, as we know, uh, To Pimp a Butterfly came out around a time, you know, where there were similar things and, and people really latched on to that album and particularly to, to All Right as kind of like the song for this movement. You know, and there's a lot of... Th- a lot of those ideas and struggles are really very prominent in this thing. And I just am interested to see how, how it gets picked up and what happens with it. Recently in the charts, All Right and um, This Is America by Childish Gambino are charting. Yeah. I think it's going to be the same kind of thing yeah. with this album. Anytime something happens, I think this is going to come back. I could definitely see that for sure. Jared, I'll throw to you. What's your favorite track from... Run the jewels and or oh, their solo work. Um, I probably that's tough. I don't know. I was gonna say close your eyes, but I already brought that up. So, man, I don't know. Probably, um, hey kids. That's a yeah. That would that be my. That's one. my number two right there. Yeah. So I'm glad that you picked because I like Danny Brown a lot too, and he's he's in there. Yeah, his performance in that song is interesting, man. 
He, his performance in every song is interesting. I know, but in that one, it just I forgot he was in it. Yeah. And then when it came on, I was like, wait a minute. And I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, he's a crazy man. That's Danny. Let's listen, let's listen to the Danny part of that. Yes, yeah. I love that. Yes, yes. Hey, hey, Jack. Hey, kids. Where I can take when I arch attack, I'll part your neck. Got birds on deck, that Xanax flow, make the night your head. Like a primer blow, you in check. My words are fast like insect. I'm an insect. I'm in check like payday on a Thursday. And it's Wednesday. I'm sensei, you bouquet. You menstruate. Got pussy all in your template. We stay stay on, I'm 28. Get pearl time like every day. Y'all random tools in every state. Like tell I might quit, tell I might. Run it all a piece with LP. My top, my steam on So that song is called Hey Kids, Boom I A. And Bumaye comes from when Muhammad Ali faced George Foreman in the Rumble in the Jungle in 1974. And Ali was heard shouting, Ali, Bumaye, which means Ali, kill him in Lingala. Oh. Hmm. Huh. Yep. Pretty great. Hmm. What a fun fact. Yep. What a fun fact indeed. So uh, my next question that I, I would like to, to spend a little time on, and I think that I have almost a different opinion than what I did like last week. Who do you think of the two members, LP and Killer Mike, who do you think brings the most to the table? Or do you think that they are really like straight up equals across the board when it comes to Run the Jewels? Technically, you would have to say LP because he produces and raps, right? And then Killer Mike, and like in terms of uh, workload, you know? But I mean, I guess that's my answer. I yeah. like Killer Mike's rapping better. Do you? You know, but I mean, if you do both things, you probably are higher in the totem pole of workload and, and like what you bring as you just asked. Yeah, that makes sense. I think uh, the magic isn't really there unless they're both there. Mm. So I th- I would have to say they're equal, I think. Well, they uh, that's where I'm at, but it's because they bring, they each bring different things. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't, you have to have production. And, and I, and LP, I don't think the killer Mike, would I, there's no reason I don't think he wouldn't be like LP. I want you to be the, the person who's producing all this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's what he that's part of what he brings to the table. Right. He brings that to the table. He brings the influence of his of his style, which is very notable. Uh, but what Killer Mike brings is not only his style, but he brings the he brings that social influence and the experience, which makes the music more profound than it would be otherwise. You know, so that it makes it more important. It makes it more relevant. And I think without you know, LP's experience is in production. His experience is in living in a way. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think you have to have all of that stuff together to get what you get here. How about you, John? Well, I think it's easy to say you know, they wouldn't, it wouldn't be Run the Jewels without either of them. But personally, like, like I said, rap music is my favorite from a collective of solo to Run the Jewels. Rap music would be my favorite. I would just say Killer Mike. Like, I think, I think LP production. Um, has kind of trans. I mean, it's definitely changed his career, but it has transformed him, made him this top five, top ten tier MC. They're just like, where has he been all these years? Where now we're paying attention to him? I would say, Mike. And plus, another thing too, you would think of is, you know, we talked about walking in the snow. We talked about um, Killer Mike on Love Again and all that. Where it's just like we never, we don't, we're not really talking about the LP versus. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes absolutely. I don't think I don't think that his um like the politically minded like wow kind of um not just political but like social lyrics that's Killer Mike that is you know and if and if 
I don't want to say if LP says it, it's because Killer Mike told him to, but what? You don't think that's Man stealing my point. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like, I mean, the things, that, the, the like mind bombs or whatever you want to say, like those are always Killer Mike. Like the idea, right. like I was thinking about the song Just um, with the idea, and I brought it up to a family member this week actually, is that, and it's not, it's like as a, a white person, it's nothing I've ever thought about, but like there are no black people on money. Right. Like, and the fact no. that the people that are on money. Well, there was, but they don't know. It's not in circulation. Anymore. Well, I, that's what I was going to I know. I, I brought that up to yeah. a family member and there's like, what about this one? And I'm like, yeah, they don't even have it. Here. Yeah, like, it's not in circulation. Remember, that, remember we threw out that shekel of Susan B. Yeah. Anthony? And it's like, no, that's not. But it was a dollar. <laughs> it was a whole dollar and it was golden. Yeah. Yeah. Or and like, now, well, they no what about Sacagawea? Them. Remember we gave her one too? It's like, okay, yeah. come on now. Very good. But like, I mean, it's like, why would I have literally, ever... literally a token? Yeah. Yes. Oh my. But it's just yeah, like, a... like what? It, it is an interesting thing that it's like you you have slave owners on your your money, and you're expecting that this nation is going to progress. You know, yeah. like what are you talking about here? I don't know. I think it's an opportunity. I think slave owners on our money is an opportunity to attempt to wrestle with the fact that uh, this country was founded by slave owners on ideas that were contradictory to their own lifestyles. Mm. How do you how do you deal with that? I don't deal with uh, it. It's hard. <laughs> that's that's the question. That's part of the question we're asking, like in this moment, and you know, socially is like, how do you how can I reconcile the fact that the people who started this country started with, with ideas that are, you know, counterintuitive to their own lifestyles and they main, continue to maintain and live those lifestyles, you it, know, it, afterwards. Not to get like really, really deep into like the social ideas, but it's almost like the whole um, the whole idea that like how the police developed kind oh, no. of thing. Listen, you no, know, no, no, no. I don't want to get I know that's what I'm saying. I don't want to get into it deeper or anything, yeah. but like that's like an example of it. Yeah. It's, I like, understand. The, the development of the police is very like based on that same kind of concept so yeah it's very it's interesting i mean when you get into the and i'll just this is last i'll say because it is a wormhole yeah it I is I, uh, I mean it's like it totally is. it is but, still a music yes. podcast but so the, that's why i don't want to get too the, the, like it is a and it's an important platform we can do but we can discuss the right. music right. on the platform we have and say this is what if you appreciate this music or want to dive deeper into it here are the Here's, lyrics right. that they yeah, have yeah. brought up yes and yeah. that means that we have not gone farther than we sure should yeah you know and yeah. I, I mean i don't care either way but at the same time you don't want to alienate people no sure, i don't sure. think that we have very many people that listen to this that are <laughs> like why are we talking more about skinner <laughs> you know yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah that's right i mean like because uh, like I'll, I'll go back to that that concept you mentioned the song early. You didn't know you were mentioning the song no. early, but no, you no, mentioned no. the song early. Um, and early is a whole commentary of uh, of Killer Mike talking basically to a police officer. And he's like, please don't arrest me in front of my kid and yes. in front of my wife. Yes. You know, like, I respect the badge and the gun, but like, you know, and then he's like, he pushes him into a police car. And like, it's a whole commentary about the police. And like, these are topics there he he has been involved in and they have been involved in so it, i think it's a relevant thing to talk yeah. about the lyricism and how important it is to well, it is because that song brings up the point of when when an officer of the law interacts with a, a member of the black community in a negative way it doesn't just impact the person that they're that they're interacting with mm -hmm. it sets it it's a tonal thing that sets a tone and a mood for the entire community that person's family their neighbors and that's like it's not you can't make any changes when you continue to act that way. 
Right. You know what I mean? So it's like you're affecting me and this sucks, uh, but I'm I'm accept have accepted it. But you don't have to make it a problem for my family. Right. And and the and my community. Mm-hmm. To go back to the original question, I'll go ahead and answer from my perspective. Uh I feel like because I've been a big LP fan for God, I don't even know anymore because it's been so long that because I, I really my introduction to LP was Cannibal Ox. I kind of fell into Cannibal Ox and I was like, I really like the production on this album. I'll look into it a little bit more. I realized the LP was featured on like, you know, some of the music as well as doing the production. Fun fact, I'm sure that you guys probably noticed this, but LP stands for El Producto. So like yeah. that's his thing, you know, that you know that's his thing. Well, I figured it was just like LP is in like a record. It's a little bit of both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's just like, well that's the same thing. I, I was talking to, not to interrupt you, but you're good. I was talking to Caleb last night about uh, Killer Mike's name and that it's interesting that like he is the voice of this um, social, movement. social movement and like the um, kind of like. I don't I don't know the word to use, but all right to talk about these important yeah, like, issues. Here's Killer Mike. Yeah, yeah. like okay, we're gonna talk about like peacefulness. Okay, out we're, we got a speaker for you today. We're gonna talk about peace. Here comes Killer Mike. But like I understand, like if you don't know, he's just talking about being a killer on the microphone. Like that's the nah, bit. It's a descriptor. He is killer. Yeah. Rapity rap like MC like rap. You know, being a good rapper, whatever name that he was kind of not forced into but that he created when he was probably in his early 20s mm-hmm. and you know, he's trying to get a record deal in the mid 90s or late 90s and he's like oh killer mike like he didn't know he would grow into this yeah, yeah. social and be on the you know television talking about it <laughs> yeah i don't think he'd care you know no, he, i mean i don't have any issue with it but i, I like if you are it is an interesting thing to see, yeah. like like on Bill Maher show or like doing interviews on what? CNN or well, yeah, probably CNN, not, li- Fo- not Fox News, but like no. on CNN where it's like, okay, today we have you know talking is you know like, it, uh, but um, it's his, I mean, it's his rap name yeah, too. It's not his real name. Anyways, so I've I've always thought that LP was the one who kind of stood out to me, uh, just because he was the one who I was the most familiar with. He's always the one who I've kind of followed in terms of a career, but. I think Run the Jewels 4 is the one that really made it I made me realize that exact thing that you're saying is that like the really really hard lines are the ones that are coming from Killer Mike. Yeah. He's the one who's really well, putting in the effort to to really make a statement with their music and I think that statement is what lands with me the most anyways. Well, he's the only one who can deliver them. LP can't really deliver those lines. Right. LP doesn't have those experiences. And I and I would think it'd be kind of difficult as an artist to have to be a supportive person, like a supportive thing. Maybe it's maybe difficult, but yeah, that's I mean, just not as, to, that's not just to as diminish, important as the line. Not to diminish his role, but there's a big difference in somebody saying, "Well, I have a black friend." You know what right. I mean? Like, not. Yeah. I mean, that's is there's more to it than that. Obviously, sure, it's a brotherhood almost in terms of that group. It seems you know they they yes. are close, close friends. Very, and you have. I mean, they've gone through a lot with everything that's going on. You know, socially, politically, and everything, and also music wise, becoming like. You know, having a record hit uh, the RTJ um, four got to number ten, I think. You know, just I, I just looked it up and somebody it, it according to Wikipedia, which who knows. But I mean, to have a top ten record, um, you know, that is an important thing to come from where they they came from. Sure, being just two people that no really very many people knew outside of Atlanta or New York. Right. You know, so I mean, they've been through a lot as a group together and friends and all of that. So it's more than just that. But he, like you said, he the experiences are definitely not the same. 
and he isn't I don't know it's hard for him to he just kind of it seems like I don't he's almost just kind of there until Killer Mike shows up again almost but he's more than yeah, that see, yeah I, I had a thought too like while we were having this conversation it kind of reminds me of uh, one of my favorite rap groups Little Brother um, it's guys yeah, Fonte and Big Poo mm-hmm. and and Fonte is quote unquote the star of the group you could say like he's the one everyone I would say you know dissects his lyrics more and um, he's a bigger name where Big Poo is, he's not bad, you know, he's good, I like him, but, you know, it's more of the Fonte show starring Big Poo. Mm-hmm. I feel like with Run the Jewels, you could even say, if, if LP, if, if you just said the producer was somebody else and it was just two MCs, LP and Killer Mike, you could even say, with all due respect to LP, but it's Killer Mike show starring LP. I, yeah. You know what I mean? A lot of people would argue that's the way with Outkast too, but, you know, we're not going to get too Not far with Speaker Box Love Below. <laughs> Jeez, uh, John, why don't you go ahead and give us your favorite Run the Jewels or song from? Because you mentioned that uh, rap music is your favorite of like really the all the albums. So if it might be a track from that too, I'd love to hear what your favorite track is. Favorite RTJ would be Banana Clipper, but we could do something off rap music. I think my favorite song on that would be JoJo's Break. Killing. Break. Break. So he gotta get out of Atlanta, here so Baby mama say he been selfish, she so Then he picked up cell phone, called Oho. She took him to the airport, hit him with spread. Parked in the deck, then hit him with head. Hit counting with fake ID and tick. Old man, little spish, but he hit him with fit. Hit him with a heart, hit him with shit. The old man stamped ticket, then he went like Then he hit him with smile, and he hit him with wink. And Jojo hit the bathroom, Jojo hit the sink. Cold water, head splash on the face. That's a pretty good one. I, that one didn't, I don't think that one resonated when I re- listen to that album but I, I, when I'm hearing it now I can see why that would be like a favorite uh, I think one I have one more kind of topic to spend not too much time on but we can kind of see what people think about it um, I find that Run the Jewels has a very very distinct sound from a production standpoint and just kind of a general sound I would almost describe it as like stadium hip hop and I'm not mm. sure what other people how other people would say they kind of feel like they their genre or their realm of hip hop kind of falls into. You know what? I'll actually go on that topic a little bit. Um, it, that sound of hip hop, um, me, there's a fine line where sometimes it becomes overproduced, but other times it works, right? So for me, a couple of times where it's overproduced, just some comparisons, um, LPs, well, I'll give you three comparisons before I get to the LP one. I'll give you Kanye West, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. I felt like that album was overproduced, where it's like not your typical boom bap. It was just loud noise, where it's just not, quote unquote, not hip hop enough sometimes. Another one would be kind of linguist, Wonderology, um, where that's another thing where it's, it was a little overproduced for me. And those are, and I still like those albums, but it's a little overproduced. But then the third one, which, you know, we could talk about, would be the LP, I'll Sleep When You're Dead. I felt like that was another overproduced album where it's like, okay, I want to nod my head and just listen to some rappers rap, but it's like this like loud, overbearing sound. Where on Run the Jewels, I feel like that sound works, especially on the on RTJ four. I felt like it was that was probably the best produced LP album on the Run the Jewels series, and I felt like that fine line of it being overproduced, it worked. It was overproduced in the stadium sound, as you mentioned, like that. It was a stadium sound, but it was it did feel hip hop, and you could really understand the rapper's rap. 
Well, I felt it was like maybe the most complete because you had, and it was like an album in terms of it had an intro and it had like segues, like you said, with the sax and other stuff going on. And then it even had an outro as well. So it felt like the most complete album that they had. Also, I wanted to talk a little bit about Vron LP4, um, the features that they have, because I found them very interesting. Um, you know, like uh, Josh Home from Queens of the Stone Age is mm-hmm. on it, Two Chains, Zach De La Roca, Pharrell, which like when you think of Pharrell right now, you think of like the big hat guy on The Voice, which yeah. is unfortunate because he's like way more than that. Or like yeah. the despicable me happy dude. And it's like, right. Like he is more, I mean, he was a big time producer back yeah. in the early 2000s. He ripped, off, he ripped off that Marvin Gaye song for Robin Thicke. Yes, yeah. he did. But like Pharrell has been around forever. And like, it's so cool. Like he is known as Snoop's nephew in drop it. Like it's hot. You know what I mean? Like, like he's been around so long. He's known for so many different things. It's crazy. Uh, and then two chains is on it. But one of the in- more interesting features is Greg nice from nice and smooth, yeah. which is a uh, Bronx based hip hop duo that um, were around from 80, like more prominently from 89 to like 97 ish. But, um, I didn't even, I like, I saw the name. I was like, huh, that's interesting. Uh, but they, um, have the song. Sometimes I wrote, sometimes I rhyme slow, which, um, does a sample of fast car by Tracy Chapman, which like that it's, I don't know. It's, 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 it's a good song. That's a really good song, but like to have to look and be like, huh, that guy from the eight, like the nineties is on this too. Well, actually just to get into that, the Greg nice, it's from Dwick from by Gangstar. Part was like ooh la la ah wee wee. So if you listen to Dwick by Gangstar, that that part they do on Run the Jewels was ripped from that song, mm-hmm. and I can't. I, I'm pretty sure they just had him re-record it. I mean, they even brought him out for the video shoot. Like mm. yeah, so like um, that's when I, when I first heard that song, I was like oh, I was like oh, he just ripped it from Dwick instead of having like DJ Premier who was also on that song like scratch up the chorus. They just brought him in and had him re-perform it. Yeah, so basically, cool. it's like a sample that he actually performed his own sample. Uh, but he's like, uh, well, the full thing, if you're ever wondering, talking about Muhammad Ali, he goes, ooh, la, la, ah, wee, wee, you say Muhammad, or I say Muhammad Ali, you say Cassius Clay. <laughs> so, like, mm. it, it was ripped from a whole whole verse. Huh. It just That's took that cool. small part out and made an entire song of it. But uh, an interesting part is, I said DJ Premier's on this song, and normally you just have him scratch the hook, or you had him scratch at the end. But they just was like, "All right, Greg, nice, just go in and bring you to the studio, just re-perform one little part." <laughs> but it was a nice, it was a good little homage. Yeah, that's that whole thing is pretty cool. You know, like all of that is interesting. Yeah, yeah. Dax, what do you think about kind of what their sound is? Like, what do you get off of their sound? How do you compare it to other? hip-hop like i guess genre question uh definitely higher produced which um it really works for them uh i it it really depends sometimes the raw sound is more my thing but it really works for them they, they really find a good way to use it I'm, i guess i could probably get behind your idea of like a stadium yeah like a stadium thing i mean i don't for me the two prominent parts of hip-hop are the beat and and the lyrical delivery and anything you do from there is what makes is to me personally what makes it good or not good so if you have that you have a firm foundation 
I like hip hop that has something interesting in it. So if if it doesn't sound like this, if it doesn't have like less traditional and and the traditional is like not even a real way to describe it, but it's just like less commercial, less what we've been fed commercial hip hop sounds and they bring in jazz instruments or you bring in samples that are like even Kanye, which is still really commercial, but he uses samples in a way that's a lot more interesting. Mm -hmm. Anything where you do that, that's what I like. And so for me, I guess I'm a little more black and white than you all are probably in in the realm of hip hop. For me, I don't have, I I don't break hip hop down into subgenres. I break it down into this is good hip hop for me and this is bad hip hop for me. That's fair. And good hip hop for me. This is good hip hop for me. You know what I mean? It has to. I want it to be interesting when I listen to it outside of just the lyrical content because. Unfortunately, like a lot of the times, and we're not we're seeing this be a lot different now because the underground hip hop is starting to be more accessible. But a lot of commercial hip hop, the lyrical content is garbage. You know what I mean? It's just not that good. And it and it feeds a narrative that's not always moving towards some kind of idea. It doesn't feed a narrative that's like, hey, this is what our lives are like and what it's about. It feeds a narrative that's built by some type of like label idea of of a, of a hip hop star. And I'm not interested in that. So if you can't at least put something interesting in there outside of the lyrics that are not interesting to me, I'm not, then it's just bad. John, it looks like you have a thought on this. Yeah, no, it's funny. Like I, I grew up, I mean, I've been listening, I've been an avid hip hop listener my entire life. And I of course started on, you know, mainstream. And then I was like, all right, this is kind of shitty. Let's, and I just started digging like 10 plus years ago. And talking about the two chains feature. Um, so it's a little backstory on two chains. He used to be on Ludacris's label and he went by Titty Boy. Yeah. That was his name. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and I remember vividly in 2007 watching he was in a group called Play a Circle and they had a song called Duffel Bag Boy with Lil Wayne. And it was like kind of a big song at the time. I remember watching it on, you know, MTV and BET and all this stuff. And talking about how this underground sound is now more accessible. If you were to tell me in 2007 that Titty Boy from Play a Circle would be on a song with LP 13 years from now. Weird. It's just, yeah, it was just like literally two different planets. So like seeing 2 Chains, now in 2 Chains, I mean, I haven't really been listening. I mean, I don't really follow his career much, but I mean, he stayed relevant. And these are actually about LP and Killer Mike who kind of have reinvented themselves, have the second career wave. Chains was also somebody who changed his name and you know now he's making music 13 years later um but you know it's something i think about all the time because they used to say rap hip-hop's a young man's game and i mean killer mike and lp are in their mid 40s <laughs> and now yeah, two chains is in his early 40s and all these guys are yeah it's definitely not that way. In the billboard hot 100 yeah i mean like lil wayne's older and he's been around forever eminem's like 50 and he's still like putting out like albums that people care about uh, talking a little bit about the two chains thing, um, the al- the 2017 album Pretty Girls Like Trap Music was like really big for him. And another thing that's interesting is on uh, Boats to his album, uh, he's got the song Feds Watching, which has Pharrell in it. So hey, there you go. Like I mean, like they're all it's all kind of weirdly interconnected. The funny thing about the Pharrell feature. That was the one when I saw the track list. I was like, huh, I wonder what he's going to do. But he literally just like rapped like chorus. And that was it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was concerned. I, I uh, We have a Facebook 
chat for the guys on here, and I was concerned earlier this week. Well, earlier when I saw that uh, it was available for pre-order, I was concerned about the Pharrell in there. I was not. I was like, this could be bad. Could start with a four with a four beat. Oh. I'm not interested in. Yeah. Did it? Does anybody remember? I meant to go back and listen to it again to make sure. Does anybody remember if it started? I think it starts with a three beat. Oh boy, good. Let's oh, let's let's listen to the the part with Pharrell Williams really quick. Yeah, let's listen to it. Yep. It does. It does. It starts with a slave. I didn't even notice that when I was listening to it. So there you go. I guess I only half like that song now. That's that thing I was talking about earlier. Yep. That was it. it should, honestly, we should have played that song a lot earlier, but. I know. It's okay. Seemed like a good time to yeah, do well, it. It four beat it in, so who cares? It did four beat it. Total ruined, ruined it for me. Whole, for, al- whole I th- album. I didn't remember that the actual fourth beat happened. I thought it was just the dun, dun, dun. And I thought that it went into the. T- but I didn't realize. Yeah. One thing I think of when I see. I've noted, well, for uh, Run the Jewels in particular, when I see their track list. I'm always intrigued by the features because you know what whoever's going to be on the song, it's going to be a Run the Jewels version of what that artist would be able to do. Mm-hmm. So when I saw Two Chains and Pharrell, I was like, "Oh, it's going to be interesting to see what they're going to do." Like I thought Pharrell, I mean, he rarely raps, but I was like, "Am I going to get like a Pharrell political like verse? Like is that really what we're going to, or is Two Chains going to give a political verse?" So I'm always interested to see like what that person's going to do. Okay, I'll go ahead and say my favorite. So I think that if I were to say uh, a favorite track that's outside of Run the Jewels from either LP or Killer Mike, I return to the song Eight Steps of Perfection from Cannibal, or not Cannibal, Mm. from uh, Company Flow way more than probably anything else that we've listened to. I go to that song all the time. I love Company Flow's album Fun Crusher Plus. Um but from Run the Jewels, I'd say the one that I return to the most is off of two. I'd say it's probably Oh My Darling, Don't Cry. really interesting mm-hmm. if you look at it it's like i don't know what to do with this sound um any kind of final thoughts on run the jewels at this point in time i'll leave this space kind of open for people to jump in jewels the good band oh wait no that's wrong sorry right i'll just say i'll just say you know you just played oh my darling don't cry uh you know i've heard that song a million times but that you, you, the little bit you played, you could hear LP referencing Pimp C, just you know, another part of the Killer Mike world. Uh huh. It's LP referencing Pimp C, so um, you know, Pimp C is one of the greatest you know rappers, producers, and he was in the group UGK. Um, he passed away in 2007, but um, you know, it's just kind of crazy to see once again LP talking about someone from Killer Mike's world and just watching the two kind of cross paths. I love that Pimp C song, I'm Free, after he got out of prison and he sampled Tom Petty. Mm. Oh my gosh, that's great. I love <laughs> that. Was that. A good one. This I is, love that. This is the third time we've talked about Pimp C. On I know. And I think I bring it up know. every single time. Yeah. I like that. UG- I mean, I like UGK. I like um, um, I'm On It. What's that song? On you know it? Uh, 
Oh wait, wait, how does it go? I, I the only reason I know is because it was on a, a Punk Goes Crunk album, I think, or something like that. But I'm trying to remember what it's what. I mean, I can look. I'm gonna look it up real quick because I, I want to know. Their biggest it. song. You guys did your Outcast episode. Their biggest song was uh, International Players Anthem. Yeah. I choose you. Yeah, with that's Outcast. A good, that's, that's the song I'm talking about. Oh, and they, and they did Big Pimpin' with Jay Z too. Yeah. That's, that's the other yes. place where we mention it because when we talked about did Jay Z yeah, I mentioned that he mentions. Yeah, International Players. We brought that up on the out. Like you said, we brought. I like that song. That was the song that was on the um, on the Punk Grows Goes Crunk CD. The international players, yeah, yeah, that's a good, that's a good song. Oh, MC, yeah. yeah. All right, looks like we. I think that's everything we've got to say then. So, John, thank you for being on the show with us. Do you want to talk about what you, the podcast you've been doing? Yeah, so I have my own podcast called uh, the John Foster Podcast, and uh, I pretty much talk to one in different realms, whether it's music, sports, entrepreneurship, and I just kind of have conversations with them on you know hardships and. They and you know their successes and whatnot. Um, and I had an episode with um, Danny, Danny Swain, who uh, was actually signed with LP on Def Jux. So um, I'm going to get some more guests in the future. So, but you know that's my thing. Yeah, but yeah, thank thank you for being on the show. We really appreciate you being on here. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Record Roundtable. This week we've been talking about Run the Jewels. Next week, we're going to be talking about Neil Young. Check out all of our social media bits. Check out all of our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, so on and so forth. Patreon. Check out our Patreon. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Check out our Patreon. Check out our website where we've got articles. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. We collision calls, keep us in your thoughts. We'll be dressed at the crack of dawn. Weapons heading off, I can hear them from the block. See them creeping through the fog. Season's greetings, not feeding season can start. Oh my god. Should I redo that uh, outro? No one will ever no. know it's not part no. of the song. <laughs>